Hello, welcome back to the Mindsport podcast with myself, Edwin. And today we have an athlete who is a heptathlete and has represented Great Britain. Um, and she goes by the name of Emma Warfel. How are you? Hey, I am good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I hope I pronounced your name right. You did actually, which was super cool. There was only <laughs> one thing though. Hmm. I used to do heptathlon, but now I only do sprint hurdles. Oh, really? But we can okay. Get into that a little bit later, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we will we will um, delve into that. So I'll ask you a question that I like to ask all of our guests that come on, and that is, how did you first? Well, what was your first memory of sport? My first memory of sport, I remember very vivid, kind of vividly. Um, it was gymnastics, funny enough. Okay. Um, I remember I was quite young, um, maybe four or five. I can't remember. Yeah. But my dad used to take me and my older sister um, to the gym. It's still there. I remember next to an Asda by where we lived. And I remember just running around, like jumping on the beam, jumping into the the foam pit. I was like, this is amazing. This is so fun. Um, And like we went there every week. And then I just remember progressing. And then for some reason, we just stopped going. Apparently, I didn't want to go anymore. But that was my (laughs) first like proper memory of sport. Okay. And then when, when did you first start doing athletics? So I didn't do any of those um, like cross country things as like a 10 year old or those like street sports stuff. I started athletics when I was in secondary school. Okay. Um, I think I was in year seven or eight. I think it was year eight. And um, my PE teacher was like, we need someone to do the hurdles and the high jump. And like, I just like sport and I live like around the corner from my school. So I was like, hey, miss, I can do it. I can go home um, and grab my pee kit and come back. (laughs) Um, And that's literally how I got into athletics. Okay. Were you you good when you first started or was that something that came over time? Um, I think I was good. I had Mm. the natural kind of ability um, to like win or like get points um for the school yeah um I guess I was actually because I went straight into heptathlon I didn't okay do sprinting or oh really just 100 wow. meters or anything like that yeah <laughs> okay so at what point did you start to realize that you know what this athletics thing this heptathlon thing is, is more than just a hobby it's more than just doing it at school I think it's when I started to train a lot more than going out with my friends, going to parties, like hanging out on the weekends. That's when I realized that I could like make something out of it and that I was actually very much talented. Um, So I think when I was about, when did I go to university? When I was about 18, 19, when I first went to university, I was like, okay, 
you you know you can trade with the big dogs like make sure it counts kind of thing yeah and were were you part of a club before you went to university yes i was i've um i've always been with newham and essex beagles um in east london um so from when i like done the first competition at my secondary school yeah they advised me they was like go to your local club and there was no space in the sprinting group there was no space in the other sprinting group yeah there was only space in the multi-events group the combined events group um so i found myself in that group from the very beginning okay um and been with them since really newman essex peoples Okay, so t- talk to us a little bit about how how the feeling was when you started training, because obviously competing at school is one thing, but when you actually actually start training, how how was it for you at the time? Yeah, so it was definitely um, very full on. Mm. Um, heptathlon seven events. It's hurdles, high jump, shot put, javelin, two hundred, eight hundred, and long jump. So yeah. you literally have to fit seven events in like a training week where I think back then I was only training on a Monday, a Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Okay. I think. Um, So it was quite full on. It was quite intense. Um, There was, I think about five of us in the training group. um, One of which like I'm super close with now. She was a bit older than me, but like she was literally like my older sister. She still is. um, But she helped me um navigate it all because she also done the events we went to the same school as well so um, we was able to like support each other at the competitions um in and out of school which is really cool okay that that definitely helps um Mm -hmm. but how how were the dynamics with you with your coaches at that young age yeah so it was pretty good to be honest Mm. um my coach are we allowed to say names i don't know it's up to you it's up to you (laughs) um (laughs) my coach greg richards no he's a super cool guy um he coached us for all the events and the dynamic was really good uh he was a well-ranked um international athlete um in his prime yeah so he was very knowledgeable and very calm um sometimes my mind can do like a hundred and one different things Mm -hmm. um so it was very calming and it kind of balanced well within training okay so it was good okay and um in terms of the dynamic the dynamics with your um teammates at the time you obviously mentioned one of your friends at the time who was like a like an older sister how was it like with everyone else um people because some of these are people that you're probably competing against um so honestly in my opinion it was it was fine they were all a lot older than me too um i was like the baby in the group Okay. Um, there was like a couple international athletes. There was two decathletes and two other heptathletes. Okay. Um, and then myself. Um, so yeah. So the I didn't see. I mean, unless I was just completely blind to it, I didn't see there was any problems. We we're all very supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, we done mostly the same events, so yeah. we was together a lot. Um, and yeah, from what I remember, it was really cool. I I enjoyed myself. Okay. And how would you say your mindset was at the time when you were competing? At a young age, we kind of things let things just go over our head and stuff like that. How was it for you at that at that point? Um, I think it was okay, but if I could like go back to my younger self and like give any advice and stuff, I would just say like go harder, like practice harder because I was, I mean, obviously you're supposed to do it for fun um, and the enjoyment, but looking back now, if I just maybe pushed a bit harder or 
thought I could do something so I went a bit harder I feel like I would be in a better place now I mean I don't regret anything but you always just look back and think oh if I'd done this differently or that differently um yeah that's what I think about that okay and has there ever been times when you've had um element of self-doubt oh yeah Mm. I still struggle with that now which is crazy Mm. um because like what like whenever we have these conversations with people it's always we focus so much on the physical aspect and we don't really train ourselves mentally um, to like achieve the same goals that we want to put our bodies through. So I think it's um, especially at a young age where um, that's like your crucial point for developing and, and becoming who you are and stuff. I really had a lot of self doubt, especially in the 800, which was the last event. Um, That was like the make or break kind of event. And, Back then and kind of now-ish, it was never my strongest event. And I used to f- like completely freak out, have like okay. a panic attack and cry. And be like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Like the the level of self-doubt I had, um, I guess kind of hindered me um, in the events that I thought that I wasn't good enough to do when really you just have to change your mindset. 100%. So yeah, I did, I did have quite a lot of self-doubt, um, which I did overcome mm-hmm. later on. Okay. Um, but I think as well, in terms of self-doubt, if you're if you're unsure of something or if you don't understand and you don't ask the questions, then the questions are just going to go round and round in your head, um, which can also be a branch of self-doubt because yeah. you don't know if you're doing the right thing or not. Yeah. So was it the questions that were they the key in helping you overcome some of the self-doubt that you had? were the questions the questions that i remember were like oh have you done the right training for this oh are you even good at the 800 anyways or mm-hmm. what's wrong with your body so i guess they weren't yeah and because at that age you're not really trained or exposed um to as many like um resources to know actually you can say something else you can flip it around and be yeah. more positive and it can help you um I guess it would, it didn't help. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about, so we move on from that, from the time you went to university, you went to Brunel. Um, talk to us about the the shift, the change in, in terms of training um, when you got to that yeah. stage. Sure. Well, I'll give you also a little breakdown between that because yeah. a lot of changes happened within that. Um, so that the coach that I was with, he got a new job and he like basically moved countries. Okay. So especially with heptathlon in the UK and in England, especially there's not a lot of heptathlon coaches. Yeah. Um. So at that point, I think I had maybe like three or four different coaches for every event. Okay. Um. And I was traveling to like different locations for that. Mm-hmm. Um. And at the age I was, I can't remember. I think I was maybe like 16 or 17 and yeah. I wasn't driving. Okay. I had to rely on public transport or my mum dropping me places. Yeah. Um, so already that just like made my schedule a lot more busy and trying to um, have the coaches on the same, like on the same understanding of what I'm doing in practice and making yeah. sure I don't do too much or too little and making sure it all fits in. That was a struggle. That was quite hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I went to university now, when I went to Brunel, I 
moved coaches again. Okay. Luckily, my the training partner that I was talking to you, yeah. talking about that was like my big sister. Yeah. She also went to Brunel. Okay. So she helped like ease the way in. I literally just went into her group and that okay. was really good. Um, and that helped and just that environment of being on campus and rolling out of bed and then my tracks there, like mm. that was really nice. Um, yeah. And again, because there was a team at Brunel as well, you felt like you was um, involved in like something bigger than just yourself and yeah. the track because obviously um, athletics is like not a team sport. I guess yeah. it's a team sport, but it's an individual sport. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. The transition was refreshing um because my mind already goes at like a million miles an hour so Mm -hmm. it was just nice to take that away and know that my setup is just in one place okay did you did you know it's a different in the mindset of the people that you were now training with compared to like before um i was fortunate enough to be in kind of like training with elite people okay um so there was already that go hard or go home kind of mindset yeah um but when i went to brunel because there was people of different levels it was nice to see that because then i could be like i don't want to be like that versus i want to be like that yeah so it was good to be in a mixture of both okay what advice would you give to yourself at that point of your life that you wish you did then oh um i think i would say firstly i would say that i was good enough i'll just keep telling myself that i'm good enough Mm. um because at so yeah so when i got to brunel i hadn't done any junior internationals anything like that i was always on the cusp but i never quite got there yeah um so i would tell myself like that you're good enough, that you've got this, um, and that don't be afraid to ask like questions because sometimes, like I said, I overthink and sometimes you don't want to pester someone with all these questions, but some people are open to answering those questions and some people are there to ask the questions. So I'd definitely say ask the questions and if something doesn't feel right or, or you're not getting a good vibe from something, say it, otherwise Mm -hmm. you kind of just be in this limbo 100% like (laughs) I think asking asking questions is the is the main thing for like I had a guest on not too long ago another athlete who that was the main thing that he says like because I asked him whether he ever doubts what he coach coach says and he says no because I always ask ask the question and if they can't give me answer then maybe I (laughs) maybe I shouldn't be there because they should be able to answer all the questions that I have um which which is which is very very true so when it when it comes to wearing the GB vest, how did how how did it feel when you first got selected to run for yeah. or compete for Great Britain? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll give you a little more rundown mm. to like a background story to why I felt how I felt. So that was my first year. So in the UK, you can either do three or four years yeah. um, studying. I done yeah. three years. So my first year, I was with one coach. Yeah. The second year, a combined events coach came in. Okay. So I started working with them. My third year, they left again Mm. and someone else came. Yeah. But they weren't very good, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I was with them for maybe a week. 
and then wow. I realized that that, that wasn't for me yeah mm. but then in life you have to like take risks or like you have to just put yourself out there so I ended yeah. up um training with another elite um training group um I was coached by Linford Christie okay. um and he's a sprints coach he's a sprints and quarter miler coach yeah I found myself as a heptathlete training with him because I was like, I just need that that level of eliteness mm. and just that environment, those people to train with. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember how I made it work. I done like some hurdles with some people and long jump with like another coach and stuff, but yeah. we made it work. And that was the year that I got my first international. Okay. Um, and that was an indoor meet in Spain. And I was just over the moon. It was like a, like, it was relief that, yeah. oh my goodness, like, okay, I've been training for all this time and I actually got selected for something. Like, I'm not wasting my time because, yeah. like, I don't even know how old I was. But when you get to a certain age, you have to start weighing up whether it's worth it or not because obviously there's not a lot of money in track yeah. and you need to figure out if you need to you know just hang the hang the spikes up like be real with yourself so that was just really relieving and and it kind of boosted my um like self-confidence self-esteem yeah like when we went to that meet like i got so many pr pbs oh my gosh sorry i'm using like <laughs> <laughs> um i got so many like um pbs and it was just a really nice feeling yeah. to know that okay i got selected to represent my nation yeah and international meet um so it just like gave me like confidence to work harder okay you spent some time in the states didn't you i did yeah so talk to us a little bit about that cool okay so that's another story <laughs> i just feel like so many different things have happened in my life that at the time i was like I can't do this. Like, why is this happening? But then I look back and be like, okay, it was definitely a struggle, but yeah. it made me who I am now. Yeah. So story time. So I I wanted to go to America for college yeah. for my undergrad degree, um, but that didn't really go according to plan. So it was still kind of lingering in the back of my mind if I had an opportunity okay. to. So then in my third year, a coach reached out to me um, and it was like, was, talking he was like yeah we can do this we can provide you with a full scholarship mm -hmm. um long long story short sold a good package i was like yep yeah i'm there kind of thing um so the summer of 2018 i went there and i literally got there within the week i was like uh oh i don't think this school's for me mm. i was like damn okay let me just see the indoor season through yeah um they call it fall training which is basically winter training okay. um and then loads of other like personal family matters happened i was like oh my goodness maybe i shouldn't be doing this like i'm in a whole other country um like so many miles away i can't just like drive home or just get on a quick flight home it's yeah. like a nine hour flight so i was like hey i need to figure something out um but managed to so how we have bucks in the uk which is like all the schools um they compete against each other yeah. in america because it's so big they have several different bucks equivalents they, they call them conferences okay so 
I won my conference um, hurdles. I think I came second in the pentathlon okay. um, for indoors. I was like, oh my goodness. Like I went through all of this crazy hectic stuff on the track and off the track and I still managed to like win. So I was like, okay, that's good. But mm. does that mean that I need to go somewhere else to push myself more? Mm. So anyways, I ended up transferring to another school. Yeah. Um, so now I was at the um, the Ohio State University. Woo, I love you so much. <laughs> and I had an absolute blast. It was great. Yeah. Um, and that year... Oh, hang on a second. I forgot something. So I came back home for a bit yeah. because the transition, I couldn't go straight there. Okay. Um, and then this is 2020 now. Mm-hmm. And my indoor season was amazing. I was like number one in the UK for hurdles. Like yeah. I ran like a crazy fast time. Yeah. Um, we was going to go to, it's called NCAAs, which yeah. is like a really prestigious um, competition where like all the elite people in a certain division compete. And then... Does everyone remember what happened in yeah. 2020? Yeah. COVID came mm. and literally we was warming up to compete. Yeah. Um, and all the coaches disappeared. It was like, okay, well, what the hell is happening? Like mm. <laughs> we have to compete because I went for heptaf I went for pentathlon and hurdles. So I went for okay. two events. Okay. Which um which was really cool. Um and then yeah, they they sent us home. They was like, sorry guys this thing called covid no they didn't use to call it what did they used to call it um, coronavirus uh, corona yeah corona. there was like there's this thing called coronavirus it was like corona what mm. um so then yeah so i didn't get to experience america and the collegiate um competition season for pretty much most of it yeah. because the next year when we came back everything was very limited you couldn't travel out of like a bubble to compete yeah um even down to just training and the facilities it was very regimented it was very restricted Mm -hmm. um so yeah honestly my america experience was um limited due to covid but i still had a great time and like learned a lot about myself about training and just another idea of the athlete i want to become Mm. which is cool do you think that experience also helped you like grow up as a person like because you're in a completely different country with your family not there and it's just kind of pushes you to, there's certain things where you can go to your family before but now you can't it's just you yourself mm-hmm. yeah I, I definitely feel that um I went there obviously to study as well one yeah. thing that I was lucky enough that I didn't struggle um during that period for like the academic stuff it was more so again like we said with the the training and then the personal matters that always come like that are always present kind of thing um but yeah it made me realize that number one that if you don't believe in yourself then no one's going to and I got to a certain part like obviously I won't go into detail but I was so like over everything I was like nope I don't want to do athletics athletics anymore like this is just long and I just don't want to do it anymore so then I'm very, what am I? I'm very stubborn Mm. to a degree. Um, But when I know that I need help or there's something that I can't do and I I know that I've exhausted everything that I can do, I'll go and seek help one way or another. So then I started seeing a a sports psychologist 
and they started to develop there was like div- um giving me different like things to practice write down journals okay. um there was even like an app which you have to say affirmations rather than hearing like a random stranger mm. say these affirmations to you you write yeah. these affirmations down you record it with your own voice and yeah. then you kind of meditate and listen back to it and okay. i found that that really did help me um because i can look in the mirror and talk to myself yeah. but hearing your voice outside your voice if you know what i mean does like a whole different thing mentally there's some science behind it mm. there's probably some studies too but it hits different and that year i realized that like how much like capacity we have within our brains and how much yeah. we don't use and how much once you start believing once you start reinforcing like visual visualizing there's so many different things that we can do and practices that we don't do that will just aid your performance dramatically like little little example when i ran the fastest time i ran hmm. in my body i just knew that i was ready yeah. i literally lied on the track and just visualized it and if if you're not aware like the people that are listening before you go to a race they call you in a, like a cool room where everyone comes together make sure they've got the right numbers spikes blah 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 and then from that room they'll take you onto the track if you're doing a, a, a race or whatever and then you have to set your blocks up for hurdles you go over some hurdles if you want to i was literally lying on the floor with my head over like my arm over my head like this yeah whilst everyone was like setting their blocks up and stuff and then the lady tapped me and was like um are you in this race i was like oh yeah like i'm in this race i just set my blocks up i didn't go over any hurdles hmm. because i was that confident in myself yeah i i didn't need to waste any more energy because i was about to run and win and beat everyone and that's what happened because i believed it so like that's my testimony on it and i think it's awesome <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's the, the thing is, the mind is so, so important in terms of mm-hmm. how you get the best out of anything in life. If you have the right mindset, that's how you're going to be able to get the best results. No matter what level you're at, to be to be the best that you can be, you have to mm-hmm. first <laughs> have it right there. Otherwise, all that hard work training is, is basically pointless, really. Exactly. And the thing is, as well, people think that it's only for entrepreneurs or athletes or or people that have big goals and stuff mm. it doesn't have to be the case it, it's transferable and it can be for any anyone any like big goal or little goal just like small things it can make a big difference 100 percent, 100 um area that we haven't really touched on so injuries so how have you dealt with like setbacks that have come from from injuries cool so i've been very lucky actually oh, touch wood i haven't okay touch all of it um, i haven't had any like serious injuries or anything like that mm. i've always had like niggles or tweaks or something in my body that's compensating that's giving me issues yeah um so i've been fortunate enough that i haven't had to worry about that too much but um i have had other challenges in terms of sometimes certain exercises or stretches or things won't work for me and because we've tried so many different things we don't know how to we don't know what it is and i'm up to this day i'm still trying to figure that out so that to me is frustrating and sometimes it's mentally draining because yeah. 
you want to be the best you want to train your hardest but if you're not training the right way then it's almost it's not pointless but it's not as effective as what it can be yeah um so that's what i'm struggling with the most at the moment um and yeah it is definitely hard it's definitely challenging because not only will it be mentally and physically exhausting it can sometimes be financially um like a burden Mm. um as well as finding someone that can actually fix you or know what the issue is so um it's had its it's had its moments but you just have to keep fighting through otherwise uh like no one's body's perfect someone's always got an ache here or there so as long as you know how to train smart then you should be fine 100 percent. talk to us a little bit about how the obviously we know in in athletics track and field that money is not like in football or in basketball so talk to us how how an athlete gets by obviously we know about sponsorship we know about um stuff like that talk to us basically how how does that athlete survive um we don't know (laughs) is the question no i'm kidding no um quite a lot of people um either have savings or have like part-time full-time jobs um, just to be able to stay afloat in terms of training fees, facility fees, spikes, competitions, accommodation, travel. Like when you count on your fingers how many, well, we only have 10, mm. but like there's just so many um, things that you have to pay for. And like you said, we don't have the money that sports like football and basketball have or even like tennis golf stuff like that just because there's so many athletes and such little funding or money or investments within track um it's definitely very hard and that's why you see quite a lot of athletes um who had the potential stop early because they just can't do it anymore yeah or top athletes that are winning medals going to worlds going to all these things having to find another job just to keep them just to make a living so it's it's definitely challenging i feel like um especially if we was to take a page out of um like america's books or something like that where they have a system yeah where there's a flow of money or just the engagement from like fans and people i think that that would definitely help and one thing that i have noticed um recently is um other countries such as france they're not as big as america but they still have a system even portugal Mm. they have a system where their clubs and their races um give money back to the athletes and not only does that in, well, support and help athletes to even keep going yeah. it inspires the younger lot uh, yeah. the younger athletes to get into athletics or or a sport and and see the see like what they can get out of it not just like the financial side but um like a community and stuff too so money's hard sometimes it's a struggle most of the time it's a struggle but you find ways um to make it through and stuff 100 mm. percent. let's talk a little bit about your support network so how important is um your support network to yourself it's so 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 important to me mm. um i mean like with everyone there's a there's the athlete emma and then there's the non-athlete emma and a lot of the time 
you see athletes and maybe even myself, you, you've got like your game face on, you're ready to go. But if it wasn't for the people that are supporting you behind the scenes, then um, most of the time, all the time for me, I wouldn't be where I am. Um, down to like my mom, um, my friends, my coach, like my coach Linford, Mr. Christie, like I love him to death. Like he's so helpful and he's so caring too. And to think that someone like he's got all these amazing achievements and he's like a celebrity. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really Linford Christie. <laughs> but like to get his help means like so much. And there's yeah. so many other coaches, even um, the coaches in America, yeah. Um, I'm still in contact with them and because they've seen me at my low and they've seen how much in my, in my head I can be like yeah. they're always there just to encourage me support me but also be real with me because sometimes um, people will just want to sh- uh, sweet talk or like sugarcoat things but you need people around you that's going to be real with you yeah. otherwise you're just going to go astray or like then then sometimes you need to be humbled or sometimes you need to be put in your place or told off or, or, you know, like motivated. So my support uh, is very, very, very important to me. And I feel like without a a good structure, then you won't get to the best of what you can do. 100%. It's interesting you say um, how you spoke about Linford because everyone I've had on who was coached by Linford has basically said the same thing as you. So that kind of says a lot about his character and how he is as a person. Um, Yeah. So which which is really, really good. So we kind of start, when we started off, you kind of mentioned that you don't do heptathlon anymore. So what was the reasons why you stopped doing heptathlon? Yeah, so the reasons being, I mean, I love heptathlon to death. Like, yeah. I really, maybe the eight, the, the 800 I really like now. Mm. Um, but going back to the injury thing, there yeah. was something wrong with my body. We're still trying to figure it out, but yeah. it just limited me. Anywho, yeah. um, so that 2020, when I ran really well in hurdles, then we started to look at who I would be able to get coached by, the time I would have because I wasn't on any funding. I didn't have any contract. So I needed to work to be able to um, train basically. Um, So we figured out that if I just done hurdles, that would give me more time to work. That would give me, I loved hurdles. I, I, there was a space on the team that I felt like I could, well, I know that I can, I'm still working towards it um, fulfill in terms of, um making team and just progressing in that sense um so we thought might as well give it a go and see how it is um i miss heptathlon so much i miss high jump i miss throwing javelin like i miss all the events and this is the first year of the transition period which has been a bit tricky yeah um but it was pretty straightforward i had a few conversations with some ex-heptathletes who've now gone into like one discipline um and they said whoops sorry they said that the first year was a struggle but now they're finding their feet and stuff so again just different different challenges every day but you work through them um to try and get like the best that you can for that season do you think you may ever go back to it or do you think that's it I might, I kind of want to just do a HEP without any training just mm. to see where I'm at, um, yeah. to see if like, I just needed to 
have my brain elsewhere for a period of time. Yeah. Um, but depending on like the rest of this year and like my setup for the the years to come, um, I may. I'm mm. not sure yet. Time will tell. <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> anyway, la- last question um, before we end. So, name three things about yourself that you think are your strength that you think maybe someone else would would need um, to be successful as a athlete. My strengths, mm. or just the- your strengths that you think someone else can. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> um. Okay. Number one, I would definitely say determination. Um, I think sometimes determination and perseverance is better than motivation. Yeah. Um, because I must admit, sometimes I am not motivated to do what I need to do, but I know I have to do it. Yeah. So I would definitely say um, those two... Oh, collectively (laughs) would be a good (laughs) a good one um a second one i think is 99 percent of the time i'm bubbly and happy and very approachable and positive and i feel like you need that in a group um and for yourself really just to make sure you're enjoying what you're doing you don't want to be miserable or too like um like you want to be upbeat so like everyone can vibe off that when we're like dying of lactic yeah that like there can still be like a little joke thrown in like sideways kind of thing Mm -hmm. so i'll definitely say um bubbly and positive um the last one i would say (laughs) i don't know the last strength of mine Bouncing back is how do you describe that one? Like I could be down in the the depths of despair, just struggling, but yeah. then I'll just have to like fix up and just turn it around and and like be back on track. I think that's important. You can't suppress your feelings when you're feeling down and yeah. disheartened and stuff. You mm. need to acknowledge them, accept them. Yeah and then move forward from them. So I think being able to acknowledge them and bounce back from them is definitely a strength that I possess. You got there in the end. <laughs> I did. <laughs> now, Emma, it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed this. This has been a great podcast episode. Yeah, what everything that you said, I'm sure that people have gone through it and some people um, potentially are going to go through it so mm-hmm. the tips and the advice that you've given is going to really truly help and benefit them so thank you again Definitely. for coming on you're welcome and i just want to say as well that it's like firstly thank you for having me on the on the podcast i think it's amazing that we have these tools um and the platform to be able to put these things on for people to access um i guess across the world these days so yeah. It's just nice that we can build platforms and put things out there for the kids and even the adults um, to look to you and just try seek something out there. So, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For anyone that's listening for the first time, welcome. For anyone that is listening again, welcome back. Please like, please share, please subscribe. Until next time, peace. <laughs>